Hey Cairo Corner listeners, thanks for stopping by today at the Cairo Corner, located at the intersection between health and wellness, a podcast dedicated to educating and entertaining one stop at a time. Again, I am your host, Dr. Keating. Today's discussion, our main event is going to be discussing plantar fasciitis. We're going to go into, you know, kind of what causes it, what are some of the symptoms, how do you get it, and what you can really do to help because it does affect a lot of people. Our supplement of the week is going to be MSM, that's methyl sulfonylmethane. We'll go into a little bit of the benefits, how it works, how much you can take in places to get it. And of course, as you know, you're probably already sick of hearing it, but we're going to end with some tricky trivia today. Again, got some good stuff on the slate, so let's just get right into our main event. So our main event today is going to be plantar fasciitis. I'm sure, you know, it's a diagnosis everyone's heard of, whether it's family, friend, you yourself have had it. Lots of people in the United States deal with plantar fasciitis and its symptoms. So what plantar fasciitis is, it's one of the most common causes of heel foot pain. It involves inflammation of a thick band of tissue that runs across the bottom of your foot and connects to the heel bone, the calcaneus for us chiropractors out there. And that tissue does run all the way to your toes. Now this plantar fascia is commonly, it's, it causes some stabbing pain that usually occurs within the first couple steps in the morning. As you get up and move, the pain normally tends to decrease, but it might return after long periods of standing or when you stand up after sitting. Now we'll go into some of the effects of or uh, patients that are more likely to get this, but it is more common in runners. People who are overweight and those who wear shoes with inadequate support also have an increased risk of this plantar fasciitis. Now the plantar fascia, it's kind of the shape of a bowstring. It supports it's supporting the arches of your foot that absorbs shock when you walk. If tension and stress on that bowstring shape become too great, small tears can occur in that fascia. And the repeated stretching and tearing and stretching and tearing and stretching and tearing can irritate and inflame that fascia. Although the real cause remains unclear for many of these cases of plantar fasciitis, that constant repeated stretching and tearing seems to be the most common. Now, how do you get it? You know, even though, like I said, it can develop without an obvious cause, some factors that can increase your risk of developing this condition are as follows. Of course, age. Boy, we just shouldn't get old because everything increases with age. But plantar fasciitis is more common between the ages of 40 and 60 years old. Now, if you're doing certain types of exercises, activities that take place with a lot of stress on your heel and the attached tissue, even jumping knees, things like that, long distance running, ballet dancing, aerobic dancing, things like that as well, can contribute to the onset of plantar fasciitis. You know, like I said, it's most common between the ages of 40 and 60. I don't know that many 40 and 60-year-olds that are doing ballet dancing, so that ballet dancing and aerobic dance is definitely going to be the cause for more of our younger patients. But one thing that also comes into play is foot mechanics, and that's kind of where chiropractic comes in to help as well. Flat feet or even a high arch, even just any abnormal arch, abnormal gait, things like that, abnormal walking pattern can affect the way that the weight is shifted and distributed onto the foot. Now, when you're standing, of course, that's going to put added stress onto that plantar fascia, and you're going to end up with something like plantar fasciitis. Now, I'll put a little you know, nugget in here. You guys probably all know it, but any itis just means something's irritated or inflamed. So plantar fasciitis is just irritation, inflammation of that plantar fascia. Now, another thing that you know we preach about, we look back into the last episode I did with my sister on lifestyle changes, modifications, things like that, obesity. 
Excess pounds does put a lot of extra pressure onto that plantar fascia, so things like obesity can be an increased risk factor. And one of the last ones is really occupations. Like I said above, standing on your feet for long periods of time. So occupations that keep you on your feet, like factory workers, teachers, or others who really just spend most of their hours walking or standing on hard surfaces. That can damage that plantar fascia. Again, that repeated stretching and tearing, stretching and tearing. Now, you know, when we come to diagnosing plantar fascia, usually no real tests are necessary. Diagnosis can be based on the history and presentation. The doc you see might suggest an x-ray or an MRI just to make sure that there's not any other problem, such as like a stress fracture there. But that's going to be for those more tricky cases where they're persistent and you're really not gaining any improvement in your symptoms. But sometimes if you do pop that x-ray on there, x-rays do show a piece of bone sticking out from the heel called a bone spur. In the past, those bone spurs have been often blamed for the heel pain. And it is a good place to look because that bone spur where that he- that bone spurs coming from the heel, the calcaneus, is right where that plantar fascia originates. So what that's going to do is it's going to really be an area of inflammation if there is that repetitive stretching and tearing. But many people who do have those bone spurs on their heels actually have no heel pain. About 40% of the people that experience plantar fascial pain actually do have that heel spur, just to put it into perspective. So it's not like having that heel spur is going to mean you're going to have plantar fasciitis. Now you might be asking, hey, you know, what can I do to help this? There's lots of different things. And of course, I'm going to take more of a conservative fashion of this. But even if this was done by probably a MD or something like that, you're going to still take conservative care because this can be managed fairly easily. Most people who do have plantar fasciitis recover in several months within with conservative treatment, including things like resting, icing, you know, icing that pain flare, even some stretching. It does sound counterintuitive why you would be stretching it again, but that stretching just increases the laxity of it, making sure it's not as tight and tender. Sometimes pain relievers can be used, such as, you know, ibuprofen, Advil, yada, 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 even things like Aleve may ease the pain and inflammation caused by plantar fasciitis. But since you guys know here at the Cairo Corner, we're all about holistic wellness, I'd prefer you taking things like omega-3s and turmeric for decreased uh, inflammation responses. If you haven't heard our talks about inflammation and omega-3s and turmeric and they're all correlation together, go ahead and listen to our previous podcasts. I do talk about turmeric in almost all of my podcasts. It's one of my favorite supplements. But that's just my opinion. Again, I'd rather you guys not be taking ibuprofen or leave and keeping the kidneys and liver as clean as we possibly can. That's my little tidbit on medications there. Now to some therapies. Stretching and strengthening exercises and even some special devices may help relieve some of the symptoms, so let's get into those. So with physical therapy, a physical therapist or even a chiropractor in this case can show you a series of exercises to stretch that plantar fascia as well as the Achilles tendon and strengthening lower leg muscles. We may also teach you to, you know, apply some athletic taping to support the bottom of your foot. Much like I'm sure you guys have seen all pro athletes, whether they got cupping marks on them or the KT tape. In this case, we would be talking about some of that KT tape to help support the already irritated and decreased structural integrity of that plantar fascia. So that stuff does help. Now, night shin splints. This is one of my favorite recommendations for plantar fasciitis and it's kind of a splint that stretches your calf and the arch of your foot while you're sleeping 
It holds the plantar fascia and the Achilles tendon in a lengthened position overnight to promote stretching. Of course, when there's no weight bearing onto that plantar fascia when you're sleeping, everything gets real tight, and that's where those first couple steps in the morning are really, really sore and really, really painful. So by putting on this thing, it kind of looks like a sock with a Velcro strap that attaches from the toe to the shin. And you attach that Velcro strap so that your foot is pointed up towards your nose throughout the entire night of sleep. I myself have never had one of these because I honestly haven't found a size that is large enough for my size 16 foot. But I do have a lot of patients that use this and it does give them pretty good amounts of relief after they get used to sleeping with this thing on because it is a little bit different. But the night splints do work well and you can find those of course on you know, you go look up um, plantar fasciitis night splint on Amazon and boom, you're good to go. Not that expensive. You might spend 15 bucks on it. Now, something that might cost a little bit more money is orthotics. Of course, I'm a large orthotic supporter. We used foot levelers all through our chiropractic career at Palmer. You know, Palmer was, or foot levelers was a sponsor of Palmer. Even as I speak right now, I have foot levelers inserts in my shoes. I can't say enough about orthotics because, again, they are the foundation of our body. So, your doctor might prescribe some off-the-shelf or even custom-fitted arch supports that help distribute the pressure evenly on your feet. You know, I would. what I always tell patients when it comes to orthotics is like, hey, you go ahead and you get that $15, $20, $30 pair at Walmart. Go to the Dr. Scholl's thing, get your foot scanned. Try it out. See if it works. You don't need to go right away to blowing 300 bucks on a pair of orthotics, but will go from conservative to, you know, more involved. So if that little bit does help, then hey, yeah, let's look into spending a little bit more money onto that. But if it really doesn't give you anything, maybe let's take a different avenue. I mean, of course, there's some times where I might say, yeah, let's go and get that expensive pair. Uh, for, just for comparison, I believe the foot levelers are about 110 a piece. Well, I mean, there's more expensive ones out there too. But, you know, let's take the easy lesser paths to start to see if we do get any benefit now of course as i mentioned above chiropractic can help align things like the gait the bones of the feet all sorts of stuff like that that can really help people get rid of plantar fasciitis pain so make sure you're seeing a chiropractor if you do have some of that those symptoms one last thing i want to talk about when it comes to kind of some of the therapy things you can do is getting a metatarsal pad Metatarsal pads sit kind of right before the ball of the foot, and they keep the transverse arch supported. Transverse meaning left to right. So you guys always, of course, know that there's the arch, the big arch in your foot on the inside of your foot. There's also an arch on the outside of your foot, so those are both running front to back. And then a transverse arch is running side to side, and that one does get irritated in some of these plantar fasciitis cases. So getting a metatarsal pad is going to help again. They have some of them that little that kind of adhere to the bottom of your feet. I do have some stinky, sweaty feet, so sometimes those ones kind of peel off. So I tend to go with the half sock formation for the metatarsal pads. And again, Amazon, place like that, you can look up metatarsal pads and find one that's suited for you. Let's go into lifestyle and home remedies kind of here. Some, some fun stuff that you can do at home that's really pretty simple and easy. Not that the ones above were that difficult, but these are things that can help reduce the pain of plantar fasciitis. Some self-care tips. So, of course, as I mentioned, obesity being a factor in this, maintaining a healthy weight can really help. Carrying that extra weight can put extra stress onto that plantar fascia and increase any symptoms you have. So, we both know weight, weight loss isn't going to happen overnight, but if this is something that recurs, definitely taking a look at your weight and making sure you're keeping a healthy weight for your size is going to be helpful. 
Of course, choosing supportive shoes, buying shoes with a low to moderate heel, thick soles, good arch support, and extra cushioning. Don't walk barefoot. That's the one thing that's going to irritate a little bit of plantar fascia because it is, again, that repetitive stretching and tearing. So walking barefoot for this is going to be more irritating. But choosing supportive shoes is very important. Now, right along that same path is not wearing worn-out athletic shoes. As we said, you know, doing some of those more intense athletic movements and things increase the risk and the symptoms of this. So replacing your old athletic shoes would be really beneficial. You know, make sure that they do have support and that good cushioning in there because those shoes do wear out over time. Now, you know, you could change your sport. If it is a specific sport that's causing you pain, try a more low-impact sport such as swimming or bicycling instead of walking or jogging. I know if you guys are walkers, you love walking, but if you're having some of that plantar fascia, maybe take a month and go swim or bike instead to see if that changes things. Of course, applying ice is going to be fantastic. We mentioned the rest and ice above. You know, one of my favorite ways to ice the plantar fascia is actually take a, a frozen water bottle. So freeze your little plastic water bottle you buy and, you know, take it, put it on the ground and roll your foot over it. You roll it as kind of a, a stretching mechanism. So you're rolling your foot, but you're also rolling it with a frozen water bottle. That does help reduce a lot of pain and inflammation. That is probably my favorite home remedy. So that the shin splints and that uh, the frozen water bottle rolling are my two favorite. And, of course, lastly, stretching your arches. Things like just calf stretches, Achilles tendon stretches, things like that can really help your plantar fascia, even though it's not directly onto the plantar fascia. It's the assisting muscles there. But those things can also help decrease the tension. So we, uh, we covered plantar fascia there. If you guys do have any questions or have had a case of plantar fasciitis, you know, shoot us a message. We want to hear what you did to get it better. Again, get a hold of us at our email at caracornerpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us an email and see if you have any special remedy or used or tried any of our remedies. But with that, we're going to jump to our supplemental spotlight of the week. This week, we're going to be talking about MSM, methyl sulfonylmethane. I will call that MSM throughout this entire podcast because methyl sulfonylmethane, as cool as it sounds to say, is quite a mouthful. But MSM is a chemical found in green plants, animals, and humans, but it can also be made in a laboratory. You know, this MSM stuff became really popular in a book was written called The Miracle of MSM, The Natural Solution for Pain. And it was written by Stanley W. Jacob. And he really got people turned on to this idea of MSM for osteoarthritis pain. Most people do use MSM for osteoarthritis as well as pain, swelling, some aging skin, and there are some other conditions as well. But the main thing that MSM does is it supplies sulfur to make other chemicals in the body that help decrease the symptoms of osteoarthritis. I'll get a little farther down, but we're really not going to ever get rid of that osteoarthritis. We're just going to work on managing the pain levels from it. Now, as I said, they take this MSM to relieve pain and swelling from things like osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, RA, and things like bursitis, tendonitis, or tenosynovitis. Of course, there are a lot of itises in there again. Again, inflammation, just like I talked about with the plantar fasciitis, so a lot of irritation, a lot of inflammation. And what that MSM is going to do, again, is supply sulfur to help make chemicals in the body so we can decrease the inflammation, decrease that tenderness. 
People have also used MSM to the skin to treat problems such as yeah, scar tissue, some stretch marks, some wrinkles, wind or sunburn, some wounded cuts, some abrasions, even some rosacea stuff in there. They've also used it to treat some gastrointestinal problems such as chronic constipation, ulcers, uh, diverticulosis, which is a bowel disease, and hemorrhoids. But really, these applications as well as the skin, skin applications that I said just previously are less studied, so there's not a ton of research behind those. But let's say you're taking this MSM, the methyl sulfonylmethane for osteoarthritis. Research shows that taking MSM by mouth in two to three divided doses daily, either alone or together with glucosamine, another important ingredient in joint health, can slightly reduce pain and swelling and improve function in people with osteoarthritis. There is evidence that MSM in combination with other supplements, may help a bit with pain and swelling for knee osteoarthritis. The big things here are honestly knee arthritis and hip arthritis. Those are probably going to be your two big patients you're using MSM with. Now, there's also some early animal research studies done that did show promise for decreasing the, decre decreasing the joint degeneration, but we all know that decreasing joint degeneration is a pretty hard thing to reverse. So again, we're trying to really work on just decreasing the symptomology of this, this osteoarthritis. Now, taking this MSM with some boswellic acid daily for 60 days did show that it tended to reduce the need for anti-inflammatory drugs, but it did not tend to reduce the pain. So it did decrease some of the inflammation, which is weird because usually we get decrease of pain when the, the inflammation has been decreased. But taking that MSM with boswellic acid and vitamin C for 60 days did show to reduce the pain and improve walking distances, said one study. Those effects did persist up to four months after stopping treatment, so that's a pretty good outcome if you ask me for taking some MSM, boswellic acid, and vitamin C. Now, there was another study done. Patients took MSM, glucosamine, and chondroitin, again, all things for supporting joint health, for 12 weeks, and it may reduce the pain in people with osteoarthritis. Early research suggests that taking a combination of those by mouth for 12 weeks improves the rating scores for joint pain and tenderness in people with osteoarthritis, but it does not tend to improve the appearance of joints. Again, we are dealing with the symptoms of this. We're not really ever going to decrease that. We're not really ever going to get rid of that decreased joint space because it's a wear and tear type of disease but we can definitely help manage it by not making it worse. Now, in some people, MSM might cause some nausea, diarrhea, bloating, fatigue, headaches, insomnia, itching, or worsening of some allergy symptoms, but usually it's generally pretty safe to take. Of course, this is something you probably want to take with food. You'll decrease the nausea and the diarrhea and the bloating from that. But for people with osteoarthritis, it was said that 1.5 to 6 grams of MSM daily can be taken up to three divided doses for up to 12 weeks. That's kind of been the studied parameters for their suggestions of MSM. Now, of course, where can you get the supplement? You can get the supplement on any supplement place you want, any brand you want. Make sure you're looking up the brand before to make sure that they are getting a good product to you. Again, you guys all know by now, my favorite is Now Foods, solid company, good prices for a good product. But I will kind of give a hint for something I'm going to discuss on one of the upcoming podcasts is a dispensary. I'm talking about Wellivate. You guys will get that. I'll drop that on to you in the next week or so. It's a pretty cool supplement 
dispensary that I think you guys will be pretty excited about. I'm just learning about it myself. I actually had a webcast meeting on it uh, the other day, so I'm learning it myself, but I will definitely share my findings with you guys there. But all in all, MSM is pretty good for treating the symptoms of degenerative joint disease, especially in hips and knees, but it does not improve the appearance of the joints. As always, consult your physician before starting a regimen of MSM. And the thing is, if you are someone that does take MSM or even any of the supplements that I've talked about in any of my podcasts, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, let me know what you're taking. Let me know your dosages. Let me know what's happening. Give me some feedback on this stuff because I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear that the stuff I'm doing and telling you is definitely improving your your lifestyle, your activities of daily living. So, again, I'll drop the, the, the email, Podcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us a message. Again, whether it's questions on what you have or the fact that you have tried the stuff we're talking about and enjoy it. So with that, we'll jump right into my favorite part of the podcast, and I'm sure it's everyone out there is listening to Tricky Trivia. Now, since we're talking all about feet today, we got a bunch of questions about feet. Some fun stuff. If you guys got a foot fetish, close your ears and the podcast now. Just kidding. It's not that bad. Here we go. Number one. What percentage of people will struggle with plantar fasciitis sometime in their life? All right. You guys might have been thinking everybody's going to deal with this. But actually, studies say that just about 10% of the population will suffer from plantar fasciitis at some point during their lifetime. And I first saw it and I was kind of taken back. I would have thought it would have been more like 40 or 50. But even at 10% of the population, that's still about 780 million people. What a fantastic thing to take a look at and keep America healthy, especially through chiropractic and conservative treatment. So on to question number two. How much force does the plantar fascia absorb daily? You guys might have been saying the size of a rhino, the bunch of weight, something like that. But the plantar fascia ligaments absorb an astounding amount of force. It's incredible to actually think, but during an average day, the total impact your feet absorb is equal to the weight borne by a fully loaded cement truck. Fully loaded cement truck, think of that, on your feet throughout the day. It's no surprise that this strain can wreak havoc on the plantar fascia if your arch isn't properly supported or your low back is out of alignment. Again, that's where us chiropractors come in, making sure everything's lined up and good to go. Now, last question, number three. What percentage of the total bones in your body are actually in your foot? This one's going to surprise you guys. Now, you might have given me a minimal number, low number in your head, you're thinking that, but actually a full quarter of the bones in your body are located in your feet, 52 to be exact. When those bones are out of alignment, havoc can ensue and plantar fasciitis is likely. Ding, 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 light went on, see your chiropractor. Last little fun fact snippet here, celebrities' feet are just as susceptible to things like plantar fasciitis as yours are. You know, in some cases, when it comes to professional athletes more so, but their their feet take quite a beating. A-list celebrities who have suffered from plantar fasciitis include people like Paris Hilton, Angelina Jolie, the great Albert Pujols, Paul Gasol, Peyton Manning, 
Tim Duncan, and the biggest name on that list, Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. So if you are dealing with some of this plantar fasciitis pain, you are not alone. Some of those A-list celebrities do have it as well. Now, did they go to a chiropractor? I don't know. Maybe I'll listen to this podcast and learn it. But either way, hope you guys enjoyed some tricky trivia. Like I said, it's always my most favorite point of the podcast. But with that, we'll get things wrapped up here. You know, I thank you guys for listening. This is a podcast that I really enjoy discussing this plantar fasciitis because it does affect a ton of people. We get tons of patients that come in and get all sorts of things done for this. So I really enjoyed doing this one today, especially with the MSM too. That's kind of a lesser known supplement. So I definitely was excited to get this this, this stuff to you guys. But of course, thank you for listening. And as always, we encourage feedback. You know, whether you want to give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram, our handles are official Cairo Corner. Or as I've said twice now, email us at the, our email, Podcast at gmail.com. I do ask that you share this with a family member or a friend that you think would benefit from any chiropractic care or wellness care or just the topics we discussed today. One of the coolest things is I was actually at some continuing education credit seminars this last weekend, and I did learn dry needling. Big fat out there. So my next podcast is going to be on dry needling and kind of what is it, what does it do as I'm doing more research and getting it out to my patients as well. So that'll be a real fun one. Look forward to that. With that, we've reached the end of today's road. Listen up next week to see which turn you make at the intersection of health and wellness. Until next time, Terror Corner listeners, see you then.